Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, Pokemon Trading Card Games from your podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it going today? It's going good, man. We're getting close. Final we regional sure of the are. season. We sure Well, is there Fresno now? Too? No, I know there's Fresno, but for us. Oh, for sure, us. sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it really is. It's It snuck up fast, I feel like. I also, I had it written in my notes app that Milwaukee was happening later than it actually was. <laughs> so it only hit me at like a, towards the start of May that it is actually oh, like right yeah. at the end of May that Milwaukee is <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny because I had the, uh, I had the talk with my wife about next season. Yeah. You know, where we were like, well, you know, what is, what is the chase look like for next season? What is, you know, how many tournaments do you plan on going to? And I'm like, well. This was a little bit unusual because we had to accrue so many points through regionals that I yeah. was making all these big trips. Um, you know, so hopefully, hopefully we get a little bit more of the uh, you know back in the swing of things <laughs> in terms of locals, so I don't have to be going to like uh, this will be my seventh regional this year, which is more than I've ever traveled to before. Yeah, I think you went to more than me, or like comparable amount. Um, I don't think that's well. You also went to EUIC. Yeah, so I did go to UIC. That's like four regionals. <laughs> In terms of like traveling, yeah. Yeah. But you went on a comparable amount of just pure regionals as I did. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely been a, a huge season for travel, but kind of necessitated by the funky invite structure yeah. for this year. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's... You know, it's coming to a close, and Milwaukee is sort of the cap to that regional season for us. You know, there's a couple couple floaters out there like Fresno, but then we're looking at NAIC in a new format following up here. So I think for today, we'll, we'll kind of hone in on what's been going on as we round out the Scarlet and Violet format, what are things looking like headed into Milwaukee, and, you know, what we're going to be considering as our top choices headed there. What does that sound like to you? Yeah, it sounds great, Riley. Cool. Well, I think without further ado, let's just jump right the heck in. And one thing I, I never would have had this on my bingo card, I'm not going to lie, is that Fusion View won another <laughs> large event, the the Lima special event, taking another W. I mean... It's it's just like shocking to me how hard Fusion Mew is showing up after how little hype it was really receiving at the start of this format. What do you think is is going on there? It's pretty unbelievable, but I do think that with the format just generally slowing down, you know, we look at Lugia for being kind of one of the most consistent, you know, uh, popular decks of the last format, really losing a lot of that steam, um, even. Yeah, just you look at just generally speaking, like a lot of these decks without quick ball, um, you know, just kind of are slowing down just the slightest amount, you know, without scoop up net for the for the um, lost zone box decks, just slowing down ever so slightly. Um, but the one deck that really didn't slow down was Fusion Mew. Yeah. And so now we're seeing it kind of take advantage of this format where, uh, by and large, a lot of decks are playing these two prize, three prize Pokemon. Um, you know, of course, obviously you do have Lost Box, but even then, Lost Box decks are trending to have those early game two prize attackers. 
um, and can certainly start with the two prizer um, relatively frequently. So uh, really taking advantage of that format where things are a little bit slower and also the Pokemon are you know a, l- a little bigger. Like, there's just more two prize Pokemon yeah. right now in, in the format. Yeah, I think I think you basically hit the nail on the head. To me, it seems like the Lost Box matchup obviously isn't phenomenal, but it's like you know you got a couple judge in there. You could probably sneak wins. You also you got some single prize attackers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think more than anything, Fusion Mew is thriving by the amount of sort of mono two prize attacker type decks mm-hmm. or you know mono multi prize attacker decks. There's not a lot of good single prize options in the format right now you know lugia has the two best ones in stone journer and like evil tall but they're just such energy hogs and it's like nowhere near the utility of last format yeah and lugia with things like raikou radiant charizard yeah right exactly and when lugia had those tools in its tool belt it could much better respond to the aggression in addition to like quick ball obviously being a thing and you know more quickly like moving through your deck and you know if you stick a two prizer in the active two turns in a row versus fusion view you're probably you're cozy bro you know and and i think the worst part of all that is on top of that with the removal of quick ball like you said decks getting a little bit slower those like turn one donks get more ferocious right because it's harder on your first turn without a supporter than maybe ever to find that like essential second Pokemon that you might need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we even saw this like on stream over in the States, you know, I forget the exact match it was, but fusion Mew versus Lugia, where it came down to like a, uh, a flip, right? You flip the, the tails, you get to get a basic, you're chilling, but if you flip heads, you get an evolution and you, you're not chilling as much. <laughs> and it's like the kind of thing you wouldn't have to deal with when quick ball was in the format. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a really good point there. So, yeah. And, and also like fusion Mew playing path as sort of a more modern innovation makes it so like drought on, for example, isn't even like a factor in the match, you know, before it would at least make you think, <laughs> yeah right right now you just uh path when you got all four of those energy in play and then you all the four of the fusion strike energy and then just go to town with a choice and a <laughs> another damage mod yeah so it just seems it seems ferocious for fusion Mew. now i think the flip side of that right is that the the lost fox matchup is less good in my opinion because really mm-hmm. you don't want to play your single prizers down because that gives lost box a really straightforward route of knocking out a three prizer a one prizer and a two prizer Mm -hmm. but at the same time like lost box is the most popular deck and still in these top eights fusion mute is getting all the way there so like i don't think that in of itself is a blocker for the deck being successful yeah and i mean even yeah it's uh it it really just like goes to show how in this particular format it's good to have just early pressure yeah um and and that turn one that no other deck has you know that turn one attack that can take knockouts on the opponent's v pokemon is just some tool that no other deck has and totally and it you know and there's some of it where it's like okay the variance of this like it's definitely not um necessarily a fluke to see fusion mew doing this well but um 
you know, there is maybe a, a little bit of variance that plays into this deck, like winning three in a row, but it does like make you raise your eyes because you think about past formats and, you know, you, with, you know, let's look back to last format. Like Lukia was consistently doing extremely well, but it wasn't necessarily winning at this kind of unbelievable clip. Yeah. You know, it was certainly winning its fair share of tournaments, but it wasn't, you know, three in a like three tournaments in a row of fusion. Like, it's just so bizarre to me. <laughs> it is a little bizarre. You know, I think it's a combination of being a great meta call and just the meta lining up exactly the way it needed to for these players. Like, not only just at their tournaments, but in the specific rounds that they play, right? Yeah. Uh, well, and that's a big thing, too, because, I mean, we saw the Hartford breakdown that Pokemon officially published, and Lawzone was about 20% of the meta, Lawzone decks. Yeah. So, you know, matchups really can make a tournament, make or break a tournament, and, um, you know, certainly you're not looking to play into those single prize matchups as the Fusion Mew player. But, um, yeah, I mean, could there be any other reason, like, in terms of the meta for... You know, these past tournaments or even looking ahead to Milwaukee that would like still make Fusion Mew favorable, like a favorable play, like a positive uh, play. Maybe to be honest, I think deck to play. I think it's a tough deck to say is actually just objectively the best play for kind of the reasons that you're saying. Right. Or this this felt like a little bit of a miraculous experience for these Fusion Mew. You know, you're looking at 15 rounds, right? and 20% of the metagame, you're probably hitting that for three to four rounds, right? Just by the numbers. Mm -hmm. Realistically, the Lost Box decks have aggregated into like decent placements, so you might actually hit them more as you're more likely to hit top eight. Um, so then it just becomes like so variance heavy, right? Where I don't think it's just like a, a layman's pick it up deck if you're trying to get a middle of the pack or like, decently high up result it feels to me like a deck you pick up and you're saying like i'm either going home today on day one or i'm making a deep cut with it mm -hmm. yeah that's interesting um yeah because you really you do sacrifice i mean if we think about the two mu variants that, that we have in the format right now dt or fusion um you do really sacrifice a lot of that late game comeback potential with the fusion variant just because you're probably popping your um you know your seal stone early yeah. right which is a luxury that dte you can afford to like save it a little bit in in most situations um you know you're really just gunning for that first turn knockout and a lot of times if you are going for it and miss then you leave your board in a really awkward position so um you know you you have that in, insane early game the best early game you know opening turn of maybe any deck in the format right now but uh, you are certainly sacrificing some of those comeback plays so going along with your point it is the deck that can win the tournament and it's also the deck that can oh three drop like you know very very easily like you could easily see that situation for anyone that plays that deck yeah it's just it's a really interesting situation that that Mew finds itself in sort of waffling between its two variants um I think another like sort of interesting byproduct of where the meta is headed is this massive discrepancy in Gardevoir's appearances, right? You know, so we're mm -hmm. looking at Lima, zero Gardevoir in top eight. Looking at Malmo, one Gardevoir in top eight, a couple more in top 16. We look at Hartford, no Gardevoir in top eight, no Gardevoir in top 16. 
one Gardevoir in top 32. You know, Gardevoir is not out there, right? It is not a factor in these large tournaments in, in the top tables, um, at least towards the tournament's completion. Mm-hmm. The most, the two most recent late nights not only had multiple Gardevoirs in both of their top eights, but Gardevoir also at piloted by Michael Pramlot won the the late night 103 with three Gardevoirs in the top eight and three more in the top 16, I think. Yeah, three mm-hmm. more in the top 16. So like Gardevoir is gunning hard at those events. Yeah, on the online circuit. Do you have any idea like what's going on there? That's that to me is about as baffling as the Fusion Mew dominating recently. Um, <laughs> it just it's it's really a confusing thing because you know you look at some of the meta breakdowns for these tournaments and again you're you have a lot of loss zone box there. Uh, you know it's the most popular deck, it's the most played deck. Um, why would Gardevoir do? better in an online setting you know i mean obviously because ptcg live is uh you know is bugged to favor stage two decks that's the obvious answer um, but i think looking just a little bit deeper into that um you know you you, you maybe like have worse players picking up loss zone box for an online tournament than you would in an irl tournament that would be like the one guess that I, the one actual guess that i would have uh, for this kind of discrepancy between IRL events and online events. Yeah, I would tack on a little bit more as well. As, and that's, I think, players are more willing to throw something. Like, in general, I think players are going to throw less traditional decks or be willing to take more risks in their deck choice in these online tournaments because they're so low stakes. Mm-hmm. So not only will, does that push people towards Gardevoir, you know, because it's a fun deck to play, um, but it also means like some of these wacky things that Gardevoir just eliminates <laughs> are also maybe a little more popular at the tournament. So it's like a two factor where Gardevoir gets more popular and the decks that Gardevoir beats probably also get a little more popular. I don't know. Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting. Just a theory. Game theory. A game theory. Yeah. yeah. You beat me you beat to, it. to it. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the, the matchup breakdown at, at both these late nights at, at late night 104, which is the much larger of the two. Gardevoir had an atrocious Lasso and Sableye matchup. Um, you know, 18 and 29. <laughs> yeah. But you look at the smaller late night 103, and it actually won more games than it lost against Lost Box, which mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what's going on there. Right. Yeah, that's but very curious. I think in general though, like you're looking at Gardevoir not doing super well against Lost Box but being okay against other decks in the format. Um, you know, it's not like swigging for the fences, but it it's fine. You know, you can play it. Would you ever consider Gardevoir for Milwaukee? I know this is kind of impeding on what we're going to talk about in the second half of the cast, but I guess while we're on the topic, it's like, is Gardevoir a viable play for a regional? I think when you look at the matchup spread that Gardevoir has... I would rather just play Fusion Mew to accomplish that goal. Okay, elaborate. Because Gardevoir is losing to the Lost Zone boxes. And that's also where Fusion Mew is struggling. But I think Fusion Mew is more dominant in the matchups against things like, you know, the 
I don't know, the Arceus and Lugia decks than, than Gardevoir can put up. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that, that that's a fair assessment. We also got to think about, I hate to bring it up, but it's just like something that I feel like not enough <laughs> players talk about, but that's the time factor. I mean, if you think about the... Uh, that's true. Tournament, yeah, that's you know, totally if you true. think about the tournament on the whole, you got 50 minutes to play three games. That could just be a slog with a deck like Gardevoir. That could be a slog with a deck like Lost Box Kyogre. Uh, not to say that you can't finish three games in that amount of time with those decks, but there is an inherent amount of setup that you need to do before you start taking your knockouts, start advancing your game state to the point that, you know, you could win that game, right? So um, there is that kind of time element to this as well where a mellow at a mew i would never expect someone to naturally tie with that deck yeah no that's that's super fair you know i think one of the highlights of the mew year that we've been doing is i've had very few ties over the course of my tournaments and like i to me there's a huge amount of value and one of the things that I really enjoyed about my my Mew tournaments is I'll have a lot of like downtime even. You know, I'll have time right. to like rest up between rounds and chill. Right. Um, which you do not have with the Guard Four deck. So those are all good points. Interesting. So let's dive a little bit more into Milwaukee, but first I think it's only fair that we do a card of the day. Sounds good. This is a card that uh, I, I was going back through my collection and i found and it's one of those cards like do you have those cards riley where you know you've had this for a while and you're like oh you know i'm just curious about it you know it's kind of an older card and i'll just go look up the price and it kind of surprises you um i can't remember the last time that really happened to me in pokemon but i did have that with a Yu-Gi-Oh card a while ago oh really what did it like, end up what did it end up being I, it was just like this random, like, effectively rare card, you know, like a, a rare from a pack of Pokemon cards. Uh-huh. And it was, like, 40 bucks or something for this, like, stupid card. <laughs> okay, nice. I like that. Well, yeah, this and card... It, it wasn't, like, exceptionally old, either. It was just this random card. Yeah. So you sold it? Uh, no, I never really sold it because it's in a an old deck that I have built, and I like having it. I didn't know you had Yu-Gi-Oh! decks built. I have one from when I played as a high schooler. Oh, that's cool. Wow, <laughs> a little lore here. Before Riley was the Pokemon King, he was the Yu-Gi-Oh! What? Apprentice? <laughs> Something like that. I mean, I wasn't very good at Yu-Gi-Oh! I never went to big tournaments, but I liked playing it. And so oh. me and my buddy would go to the, the local card store and in cincinnati and you know play Yu-Gi-Oh on the weekends it's so funny i remember my like one experience with Yu-Gi-Oh. i played it um maybe when i was in like fourth or fifth grade and i was going with a friend to some i don't know we were like going to like a chuck e cheese or something i don't remember exactly but it was like we were going somewhere right we had some destination yeah. that we were going to be in a car for like 40 minutes and he's like hey we should play Yu-Gi-Oh. like let me teach you and then I proceeded to, you know, and he had been playing with these cards and, like, learned all the strategies and stuff. And he's like, all right, here's your deck, and, like, here's how you play it. And then I remember I just, like, never lost to him. (laughs) And it was not only not fun for me because I was just, like, crushing him every single time, but it also wasn't fun for him because he, like, owned the cards and, like, knew what was actually happening. And I was just like, (laughs) you know, I was just doing whatever and and winning. So it was really funny. (laughs) 
Um, who knows if we were playing it correctly, but um, I do just that's my like one Yu-Gi-Oh experience. But let's bring it back, reel it in. Uh, the card of the day for me was one that I looked up and I was like, "Wow, this is crazy!" In this condition, it's about fifty bucks. It. Let me read. Also, I, I think the the flavor text on this card is particularly interesting because <laughs> when I read when I read the flavor text of this, I would never have guessed that it was this Pokemon. Okay. Never. Like I don't. I think you. I could give you twenty guesses. Challenge accepted. I could give you twenty guesses, and I don't think you would get this. Okay. All right. Uh, so, when agitated, this Pokemon protects itself by spraying poisonous sweat from its pores. Poisonous sweat. I'm gonna do three guesses. Okay. Trubbish. I'll also, uh, okay, Trubbish, that is not correct. That is like not even close. Not close. Yeah, it's like almost a trick flavor text. I really, it's I was not shocked. A poison type. Yes, right. <laughs> so that's a big hint, I think, but. Because it's not a poison type. Um, yeah, hmm. yeah I, I guess I don't know. Yeah, if it's not a poison type, right? It's <laughs> like I would, I never knew this about this Pokemon. I guess I never knew it had this attribute. But the Pokemon is Umbreon. <laughs> Umbreon's got that poisonous nature. Interesting. I didn't. I did not know this. Uh, but anyway, that's nasty, this is Umbreon. The, yeah, true, true. I did, uh, you know, come across this Umbreon uh, in in my collection. I was like, oh, that's a really interesting flavor text for it. Because I never would have put those two together. And if you did, if you're listening at home and you did know that this was an Umbreon, like, absolutely congrats to you. Like, take the rest of the day off. You've earned it. <laughs> I don't think we have the right to give the permission. Tell your boss that we said on Tag Team that you could have the day off. But, uh, yeah, this Umbreon from uh, the Call of Legends expansion, uh, that was, like, the last kind of – it was kind of what Crown Zenith is to Sword yeah, and Shield. Yeah. Call of Legends was to Heart Gold Soul Silver, where it had a lot of these reprints and kind of alternate versions of currently existing cards, and then it also introduced some new stuff. But uh, Moonlight Fang was a cool attack on the Sumbriana. I remember that there were a lot of decks that tried to use it. It was, it was one of the more um, controly strategies of the time. Sure. For one dark energy, and of course you could boost this with the special dark that was in the format at the time, but it did 30 damage, and during your opponent's next turn, prevent all effects, including damage, done to Umbreon by attacks from your opponent's Pokemon that have any Pokebowers or Pokebodies. So, kind of analogous to, like, a, uh, a Vulpix, an Alolan Vulpix a V-Star mm -hmm. in today's day and age. And then also had a second attack, Quick Blow. Get you know, get your head out of the gutter. Uh, flip a coin <laughs> if heads. This attack does thirty damage plus thirty more damage. But anyway, then Umbreon, kind of cute. It's it's like kind of a kind of a it's an Arita artwork. It's yeah. very minimal. Um, but yeah, surprisingly expensive. Interesting. Yeah, and Umbreon also does not learn toxic, <laughs> despite its poisonous sweat. So, does it learn any like, like what, is there like a poison needle or something? <laughs> um, doesn't look like it. 
well, some, something happened with that flavor text, I guess. Interesting. Huh. Well, I'm pretty on sweat. Who knew? <laughs> well, so speaking of quick blow, Riley, I think we should move into, oh my gosh. Dude, the, uh, the car outside. My goodness, you hear that reverb? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we should talk about our sponsor for today's cast. You know what, JW? I think you're right. And if you're looking to get a quick blow, you want to make sure that you're nice and clean for when Umbreon comes for you. So make sure you head on over to Manscaped, the sponsor for this week's episode. Uh, and so Manscaped is the number one man's grooming care product line. And JW and I both are huge fans of what they have to offer. Longtime listeners of the cast will know of the somewhat sensationalized mystical powers of the manscape boxers but don't be fooled they are quite powerful and quite comfortable as well so i know i'll be wearing those at the milwaukee regional championship and showing up with a nice clean cut after using my beard hedger to you know clean up my facial hair so i'm nice and fresh heading into the tournament gw what are some of your favorite manscape products Dude, I do love the boxers as well. I might show up to the tournament wearing only those boxers. <laughs> Maybe don't do that. Okay, just kidding. I won't. But if I were, I think uh, that might increase the power tenfold. Um, I love the – I was just actually using the um, the body wash the other day. And my wife is like, oh, you smell really nice. I'm like, well, thank you so much. Uh, spray some cologne on when you go out to dinner they have some really nice cologne they have uh you know all the shampoo conditioner they have the body wash that i was just talking about they have uh, the ear and nose hair trimmer which i love that is i think my my overall favorite product so yeah. there's just a lot of stuff out there that uh, can meet any need that you have and if you're interested in any of the stuff that we're talking about you can head on over to manscape.com and use the code tag team at checkout you'll get 20 percent off plus free shipping not only does that help you to get those grooming products that you need but it also helps the cast as well mm -hmm. so head on over to manscape.com use code tag team at checkout for 20 percent off plus free shipping thank you so much to manscape for sponsoring the cast and thank you so much to all of you for checking them out okay Milwaukee is a few short days away at this point. We're recording on Wednesday. We'll be traveling on Friday. So we're really in that home stretch here. What are your thoughts as we head into this metagame, JW? I know from my perspective, it really feels like – it almost feels like you can kind of just play whatever, and the matchups, wherever they fall, like – yeah any deck could succeed in theory i guess like maybe there's a correct meta call to make for the tournament based on percentages but any deck could succeed yeah i'm i'm really pushing this to the people that i coach is just take the deck that you're the most comfortable with because yeah. it feels like you could put you know maybe five to ten different decks or different versions of decks in a hat and draw it out and it has a reasonable chance to win the event yeah you know uh, you know you have your arceus decks those have been proven winners you have mu decks which recently have been you know really good meta calls the lost box decks are quite strong and you actually have a couple different variants that you can go there with uh being kyogre and this kind of like turbo turn one lost box deck um you know you you just have 
the Lugia decks, right? Like there's just so, and there's even more that I haven't listed. Like there's so many decks right now that have a reasonable shot at winning that sure it comes down to matchups, but also just playing something that you're comfortable with um, that you, you know, know in and out, I think it's really going to pay dividends in this, uh, in this last tournament of this format. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at too, right? Like, yeah, maybe there's a objectively correct call just based on meta percentages, but meta percentages also don't dictate what your day will look like in an objective sense, right? Yes. Like, yeah, if there's more loss box than average, you might see three loss box in a day, but you could also see one or zero. And that's what we're, you know, that's how Fusion Mew is winning these tournaments, right? So, yeah, it's just, it's just hard to say. I think all the decks have kind of... They all have a swing where they could win a tournament, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, realistically, I think we see a couple of top contenders. You know, I would say, like, four really top contenders. And then Gardevoir, like, off to the side as, as number five. I think we see Arceus decks. Uh, we see Mew decks. You know, Fusion, Double Turbo notwithstanding. We see Lugia. We see Lost Box as sort of the the top dogs of this format and it wouldn't surprise me if any of those won milwaukee mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly um that and that's not to say that there's nothing beyond that you know you alluded to gardevoir um excuse me there's also you know things like gudra right mm -hmm. um there's also things Mirada. potentially like uh you know uh urshifu single strike or uh rapid strike urshifu there are these <laughs> the guy other... who rolls up to the, the tournament with hound doom <laughs> yes exactly so there there are some things beyond that as well but yeah I, I think that pretty much uh sums up kind of where my head's at heading into milwaukee where i am really focused on those core five decks and the various variants uh within them and trying to come up with you know the play from that pool yeah, you know, I'm not really looking too much beyond that. Um, frankly, I am not really looking at Lugia for me personally. Like, I could be convinced, but that's not really a deck that I am, like, interested in playing. Um, I'm not really looking at Arceus, although I don't fault anyone for playing it at all. Um, but I have put, you know, certainly the most time in this format into Mew decks. Uh, so I would love to potentially play those again. Uh, and then I've also... <laughs> tried to get some reps in with the uh the lost zone kyogre deck which i actually just got second at a cup last weekend with so i guess like let's take a step back right and why why might some of those decks just be off of your list you know what are you using to it if there's so many possible viable decks what are you using as your like elimination criteria yeah, so one of them is just comfortability. I alluded to that a little bit earlier in the cast where I never want to dismiss a deck because I haven't played it because I feel like I am, you know, a good enough player that I could pick up a deck and I have, like, you know, just generally enough experience from streams or just playing on my own to, like, be able to pick up any deck. But I have more in-tournament experience with Mew and Lost Box uh, more so than I do with a deck like Lugia, for instance. Um, so, you know, just general raw experience would be one of those factors for me. I would rather play optimally a Mew deck than play suboptimally what I thought, you know, was quote-unquote going to be the best call 
for the tournament. Um, yeah. There would be, you know, in, in regards to Arceus, I think that it is a, it, it gets worse the more path based decks there are. Um, because if you're a path deck, you want to play against other decks that aren't preparing for that strategy. So with the like Arceus uh, Giratina deck, right, that is going to play path, like you want to be playing against other decks that are not running path themselves and therefore are more susceptible to being path locked. But I feel like currently in the format with the rise of Mew, um, with the general rise of Arceus decks uh, that are playing path, like it's it just gets a little bit more awkward in that metagame. Um, and then Lugia, why it's off the table for me, at least right now, again, like if, if the group is like Lugia is definitely the play, like you have to play it. <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe I would do that. But um, I, I just, I just don't, I don't want to do the flips, man. I yeah. I mean, do the and that's something I have said quite a bit, right. Is, is the flips make me uncomfortable. <laughs> so, and it's like, I don't, I don't know. Like even if the flips, they all even out or it doesn't matter or whatever. Like it's still frustrating to play that way. Yeah. is kind of my experience. So I think for me, that is certainly a factor for Lugia though. I'm a little more amicable to it at the moment than you are, which I think is maybe an inverse from right from our opinions earlier in the metagame right um i think for me my personal goal for the tournament is basically to to top eight slash win or bust <laughs> to be sure. honest because sure. and here's part here's kind of my two-part logic first is I already have my invite so i'm not really playing for points anyway like nor sure. am i really playing for a top 64 i don't need a top 64 to my name right now i want to top eight or top four ideally get yeah. a, to get a medal yeah um right so like that's part of it for me it's just like there's no real value in those like middle of the road placements besides like there's not even really pride as a factor for a middle of the road placement. yeah you don't really care i mean yeah. frankly this is i i don't i hate to say that this is a throwaway tournament for you but there's nothing on the line right so i i want to win or i want to go home and right. that's especially like informed by the fact that i'm traveling next week for work my girlfriend's traveling the week after for like a bachelorette party so like to be honest if i'm not winning the the freaking tournament like going all the way like i'd rather go home <laughs> yep. you know? i live yep. two hours away so it's like not a big deal for me i, <laughs> I didn't fly in i didn't barely right. drove in um yeah so like, and you're not like coming with a group of people yeah you're just driving alone so. Yeah, like I'm driving alone, going to the hotel. Yep. I could easily drive back. I could make a round trip if I wanted to, <laughs> like the one day. Uh, so, with that lens in mind, uh, some decks that I'm considering. I, I think Lost Box jumps out to me as a deck that has sort of that tournament winning potential. Um, the, and I would really love to play some. And that's to be honest, that's kind of where Lugia jumps out to me is because I think Lugia is a little bit of a, a higher rolling type of deck. Like if I, fl if I flip horribly on all my coin flips, I get to go home. <laughs> right. So, right. but if I flip like a God, then, you know, maybe I could get second or third, which is what Lugia seems to settle in at. Right. <laughs> or maybe I could be that guy who actually wins with it. So, yeah, I mean that, that is kind of 
the thing that's in the back of my mind as well, right? Whereas you're looking for boom or bust, I am looking for just a, another solid finish. Like, and not a even a solid finish. Right, yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm just looking for any points. I am at 320 uh, out of 350. And so I'm looking for a finish. I'm looking for essentially a top 256 at this tournament for like on, on a personal, like grand scale of the, of the 10 plus years that I've been playing would be a disappointment. But in the larger picture of this season, it would be great. Like that is a successful tournament. If I walk away from Milwaukee with a top 256, then I'm yeah. like, okay, you know, I've, I've secured the invite. Like, uh, it's no, a I huge can, weight off your shoulders uh, going to NAIC as well. Yes, exactly. Because historically I've never done well at NAIC for whatever reason that is, but I would <laughs> rather not put the weight of, you know, a new format, um, you know, the, just the pressure of, of the international championship there at NAIC. I'd rather have that you know, kind of taken care of by the time I get there. So, um, you know, just getting those last 30 points, you know, we talk a lot about, well, do, you know, do you ID in the last round if you're six and two? Like, I I probably would, you know, I, I'm just looking again to get that, to get that finish. And, and I think, uh, you know, for that as well, I'd rather not leave it up to, to coin flips uh, for, from a deck like Lugia. Six and three usually rarely would be yeah, but what if, at though? risk. <laughs> what fair if I did that? fair enough fair enough <laughs> that'd be like the sickest that'd if be six and sickest. threes start not getting points then the system needs changing i think <laughs> <laughs> would be <laughs> my response to that that's funny <laughs> but yeah i you know that's kind of where i'm at so i'm looking to to high roll if y'all if y'all are listening to this on like thursday or friday and like man i got the ultimate like win or bust deck feel free to dm it to me uh you know otherwise i think from my perspective like lost fox and lugia are sort of my top two mm-hmm. though there's like a small devil on my shoulder that's like just play gardevoir <laughs> you know? dude dude <laughs> which would be fun i think but that's funny you know arguable if it'd be a good decision but it would be fun yeah well there you go have have a little fun for once riley Mm. <laughs> so yeah i mean I, to be honest i don't really want to play an arceus deck that much they don't seem like that fun to play and yeah you have like two attacks yeah they have like two attacks i don't think they're like overwhelmingly good in the metagame i just think they're really good against lost box um the thing about the arceus deck though <clears throat> that i think is worth repeating is that if if we say you know things like Meloetta Mew have maybe the best turn one potential of any deck you know closely followed by you know potentially the turn one output of Lost Box decks with Arceus you have just the you're you're going to be able to achieve your game plan <clears throat> like more than any other deck right yeah. like turn two totally. you can very reasonably like like ninety percent ninety five percent of the time. Uh, you know, kind of guarantee that you're getting that attack off with the Arceus. Um, and I think that's, like, a genuine reason we see yeah. these Arceus, like, so consistently, like, in day two, in top 16, and top eight. Even if they're not winning, like, the reliability of Arceus is pushing it to those upper tiers, which, you know, puts you in the conversation, right? And, and there's value in being in the conversation, even if you don't always win the whole thing. Yeah. Yep. You know, I think that's the value out of Arceus. I think... 
you know, the flip side of that from for someone in my shoes is I don't think Arceus is the deck that is most likely to win any given tournament. I think it's a great deck for like chipping away at a tournament, but I don't think it's the ultimate deck to win a tournament. And I think that's where for someone in my position, it's not necessarily worth it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all that to say, there's still a lot of discussion that needs to be had in our friend group about, about what we're finalizing for Milwaukee, but it'll certainly be a good fun time, I think. And then prep starts that next Monday. Uh, looking to how they evolve, JW. We got to start grinding our gears. I yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, if we can just diverge for just a second, because I think we've largely, you know, this format is is largely played out. You know, we have that one tournament left in the format, and um, you know, again, my my last piece of advice for those attending Milwaukee is to go with uh, a deck that you feel very comfortable with. Yeah. Um, if you want to make that deep run, but um, for the next format man like is there any reason to like not just start off by grinding and finding the best gardevoir list that you can like it just seems so that's probably where you start so good that's probably where you start right and i think yeah. i think that's fine you know i think it's good to have a starting point and even if it's not the play you know you have that solid foundation to find the play with yeah, absolutely. Iono is going to break it wide open. I think, like, as much as we maybe are milk toast about—I don't even think that's the right word for the context. We are it, milk toast on on the Gardevoir deck for the current format. Is that how you would? Like, uh, we can't. Use uh, no, it in that's what I'm saying. You can't say it. It's you can't say it like that. As as like ambivalent as we are towards <laughs> that, Gardevoir that in this format. Sense. <laughs> as milk toast as Gardevoir is a deck in this format. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The, uh, <laughs> Like, as ambivalent as we are about it in this format, like, I am extremely hype about it for next format. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I also think, like, just generally, the dynamic that Iono brings is going to, in of itself, is going to change how, how we're playing the game versus how yes. we're playing it in this format. So oh, totally. I am super excited to get my hands into the Paldea Evolved chest and start digging let's do it It'll be fun well i think then that hits really all of our, our big talking points as we head into milwaukee here you know i think if there's anything you take away it's that the format's wide so you should focus on on doing the best play for you and that'll probably get you something you know it might not win you the tournament but it'll probably lead to your best run is if you just pick the reliable deck for you We'll see. Maybe not, though. Who knows? You know, impossible for me to know how you're going to play on that day, how many misplays you're going to make. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, with all those misplays you... you're making, you, you know, <laughs> it's really tough to say that you'll do very well. Yeah, but we, I mean, we wish you nothing but the best over there, buddy. Yeah, unless you're playing us, in which case, you know, keep on making those. But... <laughs> So that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you guys all so much for listening. Uh, can't wait to meet even more of you up in Milwaukee. Um, you know, I know that that's kind of Riley's stomping grounds, but, uh, you know, I am looking to, uh, looking forward to coming back to good old Wisconsin look Heck forward yeah. to meeting you there. So if you want to get more involved with the podcast, you can check us out on social media. The podcast is at tag team Pokemon. Riley also, uh, runs a, a Twitter account at smiles with Riles and myself at real John Walter. Again, all of those on Twitter. You can find the podcast stream live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time over at twitch.tv slash munner. 
I also do a Twitch stream over a couple times a week on my channel, twitch.tv slash flexdaddyrighteous. Thank you all so much for listening and all of your support, and we can't wait to see you in Milwaukee. Peace. See ya.